0: Have you ever been part of a conversation about what's wrong with the younger generation? Well, while doing research for this episode, I came across several interesting quotes, and I'd like to share them with you. From the Washington Post, quote, What really distinguishes this generation from those before it is that it's the first generation in American history to live so well and complain so bitterly about it, end quote. From the whole Daily Mail, quote, we defy anyone who goes about with his eyes open to deny that there is, as never before, an attitude on the part of young folk which is best described as grossly thoughtless, rude, and utterly selfish. End quote. And then finally, from Rhetoric. Quote, They think they know everything and are always quite sure about it. End quote. Does this sound familiar? I hope not. You see, the Washington Post quote was written about the younger generation in 1993. The whole Daily Mail quote? Well, that's the younger generation in 1925. And from rhetoric? That was written about the younger generation by Aristotle in the 4th century BC. No matter where we are in human history, the older generation seems to have communication issues with the younger generation. And conversely, the younger generation has those same issues with the older generation. But that's not as big of a problem as we have started out this episode with the question, Have you ever been in or part of a conversation about what is wrong with the younger generation? So what if we reframe the question, something that's makes more sense, something where we take out the negative connotation like what is wrong? How about we ask, how can we as educators effectively communicate and engage a younger generation that has grown up in a world different from ours? Welcome to The Instructor's Kit Bag, a podcast for all educators, hosted by Army Logistics University in Fort Lee, Virginia. I'm your host, Nate Ball. and today's episode, we are going to dive into understanding the educational world that younger generations are growing up in and are being molded by. And it is important, of course, to get a little background of what defines a generation and how they fit with the others. Research from Bloomberg has stated that Gen Zers will be over one third of the world's population, surpassing the millennials in population size. But who are Gen Zers? Well, let's go back to our major generations and label them. What we'll do is we'll start with the baby boomer generation, also called the me generation. These are people born from 1946 to 1964, roughly. After that, we have Generation X, born from 1965 to 1979. Then we have Generation Y, also known as the Millennials, who were born from 1980 to 1994. Generation Z was born from 1995 to 2012. And finally, we have Gen Alpha, born from 2013 until 2025. There is a caveat that must be stated, and that is that any kind of label placed upon a large group of people will never apply to everyone. Some generalizations can be made, of course, and that's what we'll be talking about when we're discussing education. And except for elementary education, everyone is teaching Generation Z and older. As of 2023, Gen Zers range from 11 to 28 years old. So this begs the question, if generations are different in multiple ways, how would they be different through education? And to keep going, what makes teaching a Gen Zer different than any other generations? Well, There's a lot of things. First off, there's digital technology. This is the first generation growing up in a society where the internet is a necessity and not a luxury, having had it since they've been born. Technology is used in every fabric of their lives, from video games, apps that start appliances, recording and posting on social media. Every facet is in some way dominated by technology. Ever driven a new car and backed it into a parking spot? You probably did it all on camera. What else is on camera? Business meetings, classes, who rings your doorbell, and on and on we go. Because of technology, and this is not unique to Gen Z, but again, this is all they have known, is getting what they want to get immediately. Now, all generations want things quickly. However, for the older generations, there were times where waiting and being patient were the only options. This includes everything from package delivery to on-demand TV and streaming. However, with all of this technology, Gen Z does enjoy collaboration with groups. They very much enjoy in-person learning and really relish group and team-building lessons. And all of this despite the prevailing social media influence, or perhaps, maybe, because of it. But there's one thing we cannot forget as educators. Gen Z is the first and hopefully only generation where almost everyone had to go through a two-year gap of education due to a global-wide pandemic. Research is still ongoing amongst many educators on just how much this has affected Gen Z, whether it's the social aspect or the educational aspect. Either way, two years of educational disruption is a very real thing. And it's important that we as educators think about this. So what does all of this mean? How can we better educate a generation who are digital natives and who consume on-demand content almost every moment of their waking day? Well, the good news is what we need to be doing, we should already be doing. And if we're not, we need to be getting on this. I have three ways we could better utilize our Gen Z students. Number one, microlearning. In a previous episode, we discussed microlearning and the various ways we could utilize it in a course, in lesson plans or review assessments. Because of on-demand content, there's no reason we shouldn't also have on-demand content as well. Does it take time to create? Absolutely but creating five to 10 minutes of content doesn't need to be difficult. Making short videos, short form podcasts, interactive lessons, and other types of short form media can be done through free to use software or other software that your educational institution may already be using. And if you don't have access to any of that, how about making a reference page on where students could go for their on-demand learning? It could be educational websites that have micro learning and is free to use and even has educational games to help students interact with what you're already teaching. Either creating resources, compiling them, or both, microlearning is here to stay for a long while in education. Number two, collaboration. Obviously, when thinking of methods of instruction or strategies, content will determine what ways are best suited to consume that content. However, any chance you get to engage students through collaboration with their peers will be the best option. Sometimes regular, dull content can be given an influx of dynamism simply because it was converted from a lecture to group work. And this can still be done in conjunction with self-paced learning and microlearning, As discussed in a previous episode as well, the experiential learning model is now needed more than ever. Finally, number three, create or compile content with massive visual appeal. A lot of our content may already have this, but it is more important now than ever. Even newer textbooks are becoming better in visual content. And by visual content, I don't necessarily mean images and videos. I can also mean using the Gestalt principles in designing presentations, handouts, digital microlearning, and even assessments. More and more companies have either gotten better at this or have already mastered it. And truly, if anything, this can breathe new life and older content. So this visual content can be used to better organize and highlight important concepts within our material. Now, I do wanna say something about the three ways that help deliver content. Although these three areas may seem flashy, because they are, or attention getting, because they are, or even fun, again, because they are. Flashiness, attention-getting, and being fun are the byproducts of microlearning, collaboration, and visual design. These three areas will develop a more effective and more efficient way to deliver content to a generation that grew up in a world different from our own. And let's be honest, it's not wrong. It just is what it is. We all grow, we all adapt, and we all have preferences. If we truly care about educating the younger generations, we can take the best practices we were trained in and adapt them into ways that matter for them. Our ways are not always the best ways. The way older generations think are not the same way younger generations think. And to illustrate this point, I want to read you a quote concerned about the new music coming out of the younger generation. Now this music was not only dangerous, but featured, quote, marital infidelity, risque situations and crude twistings on coarse phrases, end quote. Now, this came from a concerned citizen in a letter to the New York Times in 1912. And the music that they're speaking of, well, we know it as ragtime. Thanks for listening to The Instructor's Kit Bag, a podcast for all educators. Again, I am your host, Nate Ball, and I just want to say... Never stop teaching and never stop learning.